How can I break out of old habits of thinking? What tools might help shift my mind? How can we learn to game in a different way? Jay's gonna bring me back Plus one to attack. Oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice. Oh, 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 I think I need some good advice. I need a role-playing king. Oh, yeah. I need a role-playing rescue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello, rescuers. Welcome to Roleplay Rescue the podcast about rediscovering our lost role-playing hobby. I'm Che Webster. The last few weeks have been heavily weighted towards sharing my experience of the condition of anxiety and some of the key ideas that lie behind my need for new ways of thinking. I opened this episode with three key questions that have been nagging away at me for weeks, but to be honest, this episode is simply about the answer I have chosen to experiment with. In short, this episode is about my first steps into trying a totally different way of role-playing and being the Game Master. Now, when I say totally different way, I mean totally different for me. There is perhaps nothing new here for the GM who is secure in their approach to role-playing games, and if so, just feel free to move along home. I mean, you have little to learn from me. On the other hand, if you are, like me, a bit of an old grog who has never really grasped the so-called new school ways of doing things, then maybe you'll be curious to find out how I got on when I dove headlong into the world of Monty Cook's Cypher System. This is Season 8, Episode 4, Ciphering. This episode has its roots in a blog post I wrote for roleplayrescue.com back on December the 2nd, 2020. The post was entitled Breaking the Cycle, and I will stick a link in the doobly-doo to steal the term for the show notes from Matt Colville. I love that guy. Here's a quotation. Quote, I recognise today that the behaviours I have used to GM have not been effective in much more than cycling me through an ever-downward spiral of anxiety. It's a bit like living the hobby equivalent of Groundhog Day, but with me also choosing a different campaign idea to screw up each time. This negative, worry-fueled loop has cost me friends and acquaintances, who have quite understandably given up on me as GM. Many hours of prep wasted on abandoned projects and thousands of good old British pounds spent on RPG products I abandon or worse, never play with. I choose to work towards changing this set of behaviours. End quote. I remain a person recovering from and learning to deal with generalised anxiety disorder and social anxiety. But I'm also a few weeks further along and I wanted to share the steps I've been taking and what I've learned so far. Here's a bit more of what I wrote back in December. Quote, The way I have been GMing for 30 plus years is no longer working. It produces very short-lived games that leave me burned out and feeling crappy about myself. It's driving off good players too, the antithesis of everything that Roleplay Rescue is about. To this end, I have decided to change one of the most powerful of my unhelpful strategies. Too much information gathering. 
I get interested in a game or setting and then collect everything out there so that I can deal with the worry that arises from being uncertain. What if I don't understand it enough to run it? What if I missed some rule and it comes up in play? What if the adventure idea I have has already been written up? There are endless questions that arise when a warrior like me begins to explore a new game system and or game world. The problem is that I have a very high sensitivity to uncertainty and a very low tolerance for said uncertainty. Underneath all these questions lies a belief that I am choosing to challenge. The GM should know all the answers. And let's just note, this is, of course, basically rule three that I shared back in episode two. And believe me, one or two people have already had words to say about rule three. I am beginning to believe that this is simply not true. There are occasions when I am burned out from the stress of all that collecting and reading that I do the opposite. I choose a game and I try to run it with no real preparation at all. Perhaps it's a one-shot free trial adventure. The key is that in these moments I do absolutely no information gathering. The belief I resort to here is that the GM shouldn't have to know all the answers. You can see the inherent tension, right? These no-prep games usually stress me out quickly. I cycle back to wanting more information for the next project and so on. One of the lessons I have learned is to introduce new information to challenge the beliefs we hold. In the case of believing that the GM should know all the answers, I have discovered a rather curious antidote with which I plan to run a behavioural experiment. The works of Monty Cook. End quote. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we start today. Back in Season 6, Episode 12 to be precise, I had a chat with Dave Aldridge of Deep Percentile Podcast. Oh boy, do I miss his podcast. I had a chat with Dave about his experience of playing Numenera. What never got aired, however, was the second half of that interview, in which Dave and I got onto how he GMs quite differently, at least to me. The plan was that Dave would release the second part right around the time I released episode 12 of season 6, but that was back in June 2020, so I guess that didn't happen. Doesn't matter. I have the files and maybe sometime I'll reach out to Dave and ask if I can air it here as a bonus, but anyway, I digress. During my conversation with Dave, there was an echo of something that I have heard Dave say many times in interview and probably on his own podcast too. Roughly paraphrased, Dave encouraged me to think about GMing differently. He was advocating a looser, more relaxed and more freeform approach to GMing because he believes it to be easier. I can remember resisting this suggestion as simply not compatible with my ways of thinking. Back then, I was right. But not in an absolute sense. Dave was acting as a signpost, pointing me in a direction that I wasn't, at that point, willing to go anywhere near. During the early days of my therapy, I began to read the excellent book Overcoming Worry and Generalised Anxiety Disorder by Kevin Mears and Mark Freeston, published in 2015 by Robinson. This book literally changed my world, the way I think about everything, to be honest, and it stands as my number one recommendation for anyone who is worried or anxious. It's a workbook. It's easy to read, but very very hard. A challenge that I highly recommend. Anyway, in that book I read about three really important ideas. Firstly, the idea that I shared in episode two, 
rules equal beliefs, and we can be fruitful in becoming conscious of our beliefs, the rules by which we are operating. Secondly, the concept of cognitive experiments, the idea that we can challenge our rules by taking part in simple experiments that challenge our patterns of thinking. Thirdly, I came across the fact that of the 11 common behaviours associated with worry, not only did I perform nine of them, but that the most powerful habit was to tackle my worry with an attempt to gather as much information as possible. As I alluded to in the quotation from my blog post earlier, on December the 2nd, 2020, I decided to begin a grand cognitive experiment into changing the habit of excessive prep through the action of information gathering. And I remembered Dave's words. I also remembered that I owned Monty Cook's Your Best Game Ever, a book written for players and game masters and designed to be the last word on running role-playing games. Finally, I remembered that I had bought the Cypher System Core Rulebook, the revised edition that I had been chatting to Dave about all those months before. I decided the experiment would be to apply the Monty Cook approach to role-playing games, I would read your best game ever, I would run some games of the cipher system, and I would totally approach this through the lens of doing things differently. I would suspend my disbelief and read these materials openly and without prejudice. Well, as much as I could manage anyhow. The result was nothing short of miraculous, and it continues to unfold up until this day. I'm going to talk about your best game ever in another episode because it's worthy of a whole chunk of our time on its own. The cipher system is the focus for today. What is it? How is it different? And what impact has it had on my gaming? Let's start with a quotation from the cipher system revised core rulebook. Quote, ultimately, what we all want is to play precisely the game we want to play. Game masters all have a perfect setting in the back of their brain. Players have that one character idea that would be their best character ever, if they could just have the chance to make and play them. Those dreams of playing exactly what you want to play are why this book exists. In some ways, this book is a companion volume to a book that I wrote called Your Best Game Ever. That book is a system agnostic guide to understanding and enjoying role-playing games. This book takes the ideas and suggestions presented there and gives them a set of rules that empowers them. It's my goal to give you the tools to have your best game ever, and that, I believe, involves getting to play in the setting and with the characters that you've always wanted. End quote. Bold words from Monty Cook, taken from Chapter 1, Worlds of Adventure, the one-paged chapter that begins the Cypher System revised rulebook. Those words resonated with me, Regular listeners know that I have a passion for generic multi-genre rule systems, but I sense something deeper here. Monty Cook was offering me a whole approach to play that stands apart from the ways in which I generally play. This was an holistic solution on offer. Dave's encouragement echoed in my mind. This will be simpler, easier than what you've tried to do before. Go on, Che, give it a go. I was reading Your Best Game Ever alongside the Cypher rulebook. One day I'd read a chapter from Your Best Game Ever, and the next day I might flip to a new chapter of the Cypher system. It wasn't all plain sailing either. 
I was getting distracted by old mental habits, drawn, for example, to the pages of The Strange, one of the Cypher System games that presents a hugely exciting multi-world campaign that I really want to try sometime. I found myself entranced by what I was reading. Certainly, my mind kept shouting random objections at me, trying to shout down the experiment to shut down my confidence, but, well, I pushed through. In fact, I am still going, albeit slowly. This game is deep and has many facets to explore, genres, for example, that I have yet to read. The GM section needs revisiting too, because it's rich with practical advice, but I digress, and I do that a lot. So what is the Cypher System? It's a multi-genre role-playing game that essentially collects all the ideas, rules and methodology that Monty Cook designed for his award-winning Numenera and the strange RPG games. And fundamentally, it's a toolbox of stuff for running any game you like, in any world you like, with any character you like, in the style of Monty Cook's personal approach to role-playing. And the real question, I guess, is... How is that different? The biggest difference is made clear from a single sentence that I first read in the pages of your best game ever. Quote, Playing an RPG is about creating a story as a group. End quote. My initial reaction to that statement was bollocks. But of course I was reading this to challenge my assumptions. My mind was saying, no, RPGs are about exploration. This guy is talking rubbish. Or words that affect. But being as I was practicing self-control and trying to be open-minded, I decided to just accept the statement at face value and read on. Several weeks later, and I think I'm beginning to see what Monty Cook is trying to express about role-playing games. Playing an RPG is about creating a story as a group. This is expressing a different goal, a different reason to play, and a totally different style of play from what I have been doing for 40 years. I'm pretty old school at heart, but I am also very much into exploring the imaginative worlds that we create and discovering what's hidden within them. It was shocking to me when I read Your Best Game Ever to realise that Monty Cook doesn't even discuss the importance of the imaginary secondary world until we are deep into the GM chapters in Chapter 9. 97 pages into your best game ever. For players, he barely mentions it except as a backdrop to character creation. But this is a cognitive experiment. I was seeking to rock the foundations of my deeply held rules of play, by which I mean the beliefs I have about playing RPGs, and I wanted to see what someone from outside my worldview had to say. Remember, Dave had been my bridge to Monty Cook, but now I was deep into the realms of the new school of role-playing games, well, at least as I see it. Playing an RPG is about creating a story as a group. Everything in Cook's way of playing is geared towards this being the goal, and to be honest, I've found it to be a wonderful way to play. I've had a few sessions now playing Cypher, and I've not had as much fun with anything in, well, years, actually. Honestly, I have had some great games in recent months, Ever since the Roleplay Rescue podcast first started to gather patrons and new gamers to its community, but nothing has been as much fun for as little effort as Cypher. I feel like the one big piece of advice that the lazy GM, Sly Flourish, 
has failed to tell anyone playing Dungeons and Dragons is that the laziest GMs will probably stop playing D&D and turn instead to the cipher system. It's easier, guys. And personally, I like easy. That said, it hasn't been an easy transition. I am ciphering because I need to practice this new way of role-playing in a learn-by-the-book kind of way before I can even begin to think too much about mashing it up with other games. Of course, I do want to bring the methodology I'm learning to my table with other games, GURPS is top of my list. But as Evil Jeff would remind me, there isn't much point bringing rules and stuff in from other game systems when you can simply just play the game from which the stuff you like is coming from anyway. In other words, I probably need to play some Cypher for a while so that I can internalise new ways of playing. And that brings us to the final question. What impact has it had on my gaming? I want to keep talk of the impact of the Cypher system brief. Partly, I'm conscious of time and recognise that I can talk about each of these points in more detail in future episodes. Partly, I'm still discovering the impact. This podcast has always presented the journey and I am very much still learning about Cypher. Those caveats established, there were three big positive impacts from the Cypher system. One, my prep time for a four-hour session dropped to about 30 minutes. Two 15-minute stints got me to the table. Two, I stopped linear adventure design. In other words, I stopped thinking about the session in terms of this, then this, then that. And I listed instead a bunch of potential situations and I ran with them, dropping them in as they logically arose and only using the ideas that fit the context of what the players were actually doing in session. Three, I discovered the magic of the GM intrusion. The GM intrusion deserves an episode to itself, but a quick quotation from Cypher will help you get the idea. Quote, GM intrusion is the main mechanic that the GM uses to inject drama and additional excitement into the game. It's also a handy tool for resolving issues that affect the PCs but do not involve them. GM intrusion is a way to facilitate what goes on in the world outside the characters. The mechanic is also one of the main ways that GMs award experience points to the PCs. This means that you use experience points as a narrative tool. Whenever it seems appropriate, you can introduce complications into the game that affect a specific player, but when you do so, you give that player 1 XP. The player can refuse the intrusion, but doing so costs them 1 XP. End quote. GM intrusion and its relative, the player intrusion, have made my Cypher system games more fun than any other game I have ever played. Period. It's genius. Basically, the players get rewarded for accepting all those moments when the GM needs to inject something nasty, cruel or difficult into the situations the characters are currently involved in. In my first Cypher game, a fantasy short played in about two hours, I intruded with an arrow trap in the goblin caves the characters were raiding. You walk down the passage and... Click! Your boot steps on a now obvious loose stone disguised as a trigger. I held up two XP cards, one for the player and another that the player gets to give to another player, and waited. The player can choose, accept the intrusion and in this case make a speed test to avoid the trap, or give me one XP, turning down the XP on offer and tell me how they got out of the situation. 
it is genius. Seriously, GM Intrusion is the best thing I have ever come across. If there's one rule I want to port from Cypher into pretty much every game I play, it's the GM Intrusion. XP for every moment in which I, as GM, get to be a git. Amazing stuff. So yeah, the impact has been big. I am enjoying roleplaying again. I am niggled by the focus on story over world, certainly, but I'm getting the vibe and kind of rolling with it. Does this mean I'm abandoning the old ways and turning to the dark side? I don't think so. I think what is happening is that I'm experiencing a different way of roleplaying, a different set of assumptions, a different goal. An RPG being about creating a story as a group. It's making the game more cinematic and movie-like, or more like a TV series or a novel, but in a kind of good way. Not in a play-like-literature-or-be-a-movie-director kind of way. In a way that Monty Cook expressly describes as being suited to role-playing games as a medium. To get into the idea of creating stories with role-playing games as a goal, I will need to talk more about the book, Your Best Game Ever. I need to review it, really, and tell you why it might be the best $50 I've ever spent, but that's for another episode. Right now, thanks for listening to this one, and I hope that there was something useful or interesting for you along the way. Game on. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can also find the Roleplay Rescue page on Facebook, join our RPR group on MeWe, or follow me at UbiquitousRat on Twitter. If you want to support the show, you can join the Roleplay Rescue Patreon and gain access to weekly Dungeon Masters Diary episodes and early access to every episode of the main show. Patrons also gain access to the Roleplay Rescue Discord. You can find the Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. All the links mentioned here are in the show notes. Thanks in advance for your support. And now it's time for some call-ins. Hey Shay, this is Robert, um, also known as Minion. Uh, Happy New Year. I just wanted to call in to say thank you for uh, various things. I'm uh, probably going to switch over to from Swords and Wizardry to um, Castles and Crusades, somewhat um, inspired by you uh, to get into that game. Uh, it's looking very good. Um, I wasn't really intending to talk about that, but um, I'm also looking at Mithras um, as an adjunct to uh, Glorantha. But uh, I am curious about GURPS, so if you could tell me which books to get to um, to get a a start on uh, fantasy GURPS, I'd really appreciate that. I'm thinking probably the fourth edition basic stuff, the campaigns, characters, and maybe the fantasy. Do I need magic? Anyway, cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob, great to hear from you. Uh, really, really appreciated you calling in. I'm really glad that you've um, well, you decided that Castles and Crusades was worth a look and perhaps even switching over to. So very, very encouraging to uh, get that feedback. Thank you. Now, GURPS. It's quite straightforward, really. I would suggest, first of all, going to warehouse23.com and searching up GURPS Lite. It is a free download. I can't remember if it's 32 or 48 page PDF. I think it's 32. 
and it is all you need to learn the basics of GURPS. And you could run a fantasy game without magic with the GURPS light rules. The main thing is you could have a look at how the game works because in the first page or so you get the core rules laid out of how it works and then most of the rest of the booklet is some basic character options so you can build a character and, and kind of get going as combat rules and everything in there so GURPS light. if you're on Warehouse 23 you might want to check out GURPS basic sets there's two books for GURPS basic sets so just to run through that very briefly book one is called characters and book two is called campaigns and you do get a discount if you buy them both together but actually to be honest if you're starting out with GURPS, you only really need characters, book one. Book two is a more detailed sort of set of uh, combat rules in there, and it helps you if you want to use, like, tabletop miniature stuff. But um, actually, all the rest of the stuff in there is kind of developing the basics that are in the first book. And one of the things I like about the first book, characters, is that GURPS basic set book one has at the back an appendix basic combat system so the core of it is there how to build characters including um, the basic GURPS magic system and which is one of the very many options of magic that you have with that game system so I would suggest you know have a look at GURPS Lite if you like the look at that go get basic set whether you want to build a fantasy game if you're taking a sort of D&D approach then GURPS fantasy is what we call a genre book it is a book that talks about sort of the genre of fantasy in a very broad sense but it's not really focused around sort of what you might call dungeon fantasy you know classic kind of D&D style fantasy and for that there is the dungeon fantasy subset of rules a uh, little booklet pdf booklets you can download which which allow you to emulate a very powerful sort of probably about eighth to tenth level D&D equivalent dungeon campaign um, and it's very exciting I've been playing with that with my own fire citadel of the dragon kings uh, for a few months so yeah I hope that helps um, fantasy as a book will help you kind of figure out the game you want to run but for anyone who is into GURPS if you really want to GM it I would strongly recommend the the PDF book and it's available in print as well the book how to be a GURPS GM because what it does is lay out beautifully some really good uh, GM advice but also like how to specifically tailor that to to GURPS remember GURPS is the generic universal role-playing system so not only will you be able to do fantasy you can do any genre any character any period pretty much forever so if you're getting into GURPS it is a much bigger package it's not a prescription for gaming it's a, a book that describe various rules a very encyclopedic in nature and it does need some assembly so I'll stop waffling I hope that's helpful uh, just to recap warehouse23.com search for GURPS Lite that's probably this place to start and then kind of go from there and if I can help with any specific questions please do not hesitate to give us a shout or look us up Thanks, Rob. Brilliant stuff. Which brings me on to what to do next with the call-ins. I've had quite a lot of call-ins on two episodes. The bonus episode where Andy Goodman called in relating to the episode I called Am I Stuck in a Loop? Had quite a few comments on that. And also, a number of people have started calling in about the various rules, the 13 GM rules episode. Um, and one or two people have kind of called across both of those episodes. And I don't think there's enough time to do that justice here in today's episode. So I think what I might do is gather those call-ins together and put out an episode specifically focused on those things focused on the call-ins and responding to them and sharing them so just want to say thank you to everyone who's called in the last couple of weeks uh, i haven't forgotten about you i will get them together and try to edit i think a special extra show and we'll go from there so 
Yeah, I think that's about all we've got time for. Just one call really to share today and I will see what I can do about a bigger episode. Thank you again, Rob, for calling in. Thanks to everybody who's listening to the show. And yeah, I think that might be about it. And that's another episode wrapped. I hope you enjoyed it. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue and tap on the messages button to leave yours. Or alternatively, you can record your thoughts on your phone and email the sound file to me directly via hello at rpgrescue.com. Thanks to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you, all of you, for all of your generosity and encouragement. It means the world to me. Thanks also to you, the listener, for taking some time out of your day to listen to Roleplay Rescue. I hope it was worth something to someone out there somewhere. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again next time. Game on. Game on.